In December 2015, six kids went to camp. Due to a series of tragic events, they were left all alone. During their time together, challenges were overcome and friendships were made. Here, we'll discuss their adventures, their challenges near tragedy and everything in between. This is the Cretaceous Chemcast with host Cretaceous Dave. Thank you so much to John Hammond for that lovely new introduction. Uh, <laughs> sorry, just wanted to mix things up a little bit. And for those of you that are watching this episode on YouTube, you got to see uh, some cool video editing work that uh, I spent <laughs> a lot of time on trying some new things with After Effects and whatnot, uh, trying to get that approaching the island in a storm, Camp Cretaceous kind of feel. Anyway, not sure if I'm going to keep using that or just use my nice, basic, simple one that I came up with from the start, but wanted to just do something a little bit different. So, like Mr. Hammond said, welcome one and all to the Cretaceous Campcast. I am Cretaceous Dave, and I do apologize that it's been like three weeks since an episode. I had a lot of stuff going on in life and other things, but I'm back. And I had a number of different ideas for what we were going to talk about today. And something that wasn't an idea that ended up being a discussion on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Uh, originally, that's what I planned on for today, but I'm going to shelve that for a little bit. And we'll talk about that in maybe a week or so. I'm not sure. I wanted to do something a little bit different that I haven't done yet for this podcast and it's the kind of thing I wanted to do for a little while now and I apologize if you're watching that I just keep swaying back and forth <laughs> I'm spinning in my chair and ADHD man ADHD anyway I, I've been re-watching a lot of the show from the beginning and continuing through with my son in particular a couple weeks ago he started back the very beginning and we were going through and one episode that doesn't seem like a lot. Um, it, it's early on in the series, and it's kind of the first introduction to a lot of things that play a role throughout the season and series. And it actually ended up being one of my favorite episodes of the entire show. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today. And that is season one. Episode 2, titled Secrets. And good title. <laughs> so, if I keep looking away, if you're watching on YouTube, I have plenty of notes about this one because there's no way I would have been able to remember everything off the top of my head. So after I had the idea for this particular episode, I went back and rewatched it and was making notes of different things and stuff I may want to talk about. And honestly, the entire episode is really good for a number of reasons. This would have been a perfect episode to do a, a kind of talk over. I'm not sure of the legality and other things if I'm doing something like that. So I'm going to avoid it for now. And all I'm going to do is kind of go off my notes 
and go from the start of the episode to the end of the episode and kind of give my thoughts and whatnot about this one. So let's dive straight in to secrets. Very beginning of the episode is intense. If you remember the end of episode one, Darius and Kenji fell into the raptor paddock and we end right there. Um, I would call it a cliffhanger, but you know, it's the first episode and all the episodes were released all at the same time. So not really, but this episode starts right off with them in there and the raptor squad, the whole squad is approaching them and you can tell they are not happy that these kids are there, these strangers, and they're behaving just like they did in Jurassic World, which I've mentioned a few times. And as Darius and Kenji are, are trying to escape, they get through you know, the one part of the gate, and they're looking for a way out, anything that they can do. Uh, one thing I, I thought was interesting was Darius was about to make a reference to the resonating chamber. He asks if in the pile of bones, there's a velociraptor skull. And he, he starts to say about video game. And Kenji's like, I don't care about a video game. This is real life. I, I didn't write down the exact quote, but you get what I'm saying. And it's funny because Kenji is discrediting using the resonating chamber to talk to the raptors, even though Darius used it in the game. But if you remember back in episode one, Darius went back and referenced Dr. Grant's book, which mentioned the resonating chamber. So, you know, Darius knew, hey, we might be able to communicate if we could find this thing. But they are, he is immediately written off by Kenji because Kenji's like, dude, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. So, you know, understandable if you're a 15 year old kid or whatever and someone say hey i played a video game and you just blow into the skull be like dude what what are you talking about that's ridiculous but (laughs) they never went back he never found it because it was a, a high intensity situation and just as things were about to get crazy all the lights turn on and big chunks of meat are thrown into the paddock something i thought was very interesting was Charlie, Delta, and Echo all turn around, take off, head to the meet. Not Blue. Blue is just standing there. She's staring at them. And I think she's calculating, guys, or girls, this is a trick. Someone is drawing us over there. And I, I could be completely making that up, but it plays off of the Blue is far more intelligent than her sisters and basically anything else because she realizes that's a trick. I want these two. Um, and then, you know, the, the kids get saved and the gate closes down. And as they're being rescued, Blue is standing right there at the gate and she's basically staring down Darius. And that scene didn't really mean anything to me for a while um, other than it was reminiscent of the scene in Jurassic World and also Blue kind of just analyzing and figure things out but now what I'm questioning to myself is with BB 
with Blue being so smart, did she remember him and remember that situation later on in season three? If you remember, and we'll get to talk in plenty of season three in the future because it is amazing, Blue and Darius have encounters multiple times in that season. And despite things getting tense, Blue never really seemed like she was going to hurt Darius. And I wonder if now it's, I remember you. You were that kid that fell in, didn't try to hurt me. So I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. You know, I, I didn't think about that earlier on the first few times I watched the season. But after seeing season three, that tiny scene kind of gets me thinking, was Blue taking it all in? Was she analyzing? And then in season three, does she remember? I don't know. Just something for you to, uh, to think about. See what you think about that. Following them getting out, of course, Roxy is ticked. And Dave is just like, hey, that's what I do. Glad you guys are safe. Let's go. Um, love Dave. Not just because you know he has an awesome name or anything like that. He's a he's a really fun character. <clears throat> Excuse me. And something I thought was interesting, a little bit, you know, a little bit further along in this episode. Like by further along, I mean you know a couple of minutes. Is Darius then takes the blame for what had happened, and the only reason he takes the blame is because Kenji tells this made-up sob story about his father going to be so disappointed in him. And you could just see the look on Darius's face, even as an animated show, that at least he has a father to be disappointed. And he doesn't want to strain the relationship between Kenji and his dad because he still has a dad. And... You know, it's it, it's something that looked kind of, I don't even know the right words to describe it, but just kind of the look on Darius's face, you know, makes him think, I, I can't let that happen to this person I just met. Um, and by the way, he keeps calling me a kid and junior, and it, it it's funny how much that goes on, and then as the season and series go on, you know, <laughs> we don't get any more of that. And it's understandable. They they grow to, you know, learn each other, know more about each other and, and everything like that. Um, but it, it was really interesting how Darius took the blame and his reason for it. So we move on from there and we get to where the group has to split up because Kenji and Darius are being punished. So they have to shovel poop and it is a huge giant pile of poop just like in Jurassic Park a uh, great little nod there but the rest of the kids go to the field genetics lab and that right there is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series not 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 the scene the the whole segment where they're in the lab uh, first Brooklyn's speech to Dr. Wu when he's telling her, like, you can't film in here, there's nothing. And her, for being 
13, 14, whatever she is, um, she carefully crafted what she was saying. And you can tell she's probably used to talking her way into getting what she wants, especially by being a celebrity. She used choice words to basically stroke Wu's ego. And you can tell when she mentioned, hey, you don't want Simon Masrani and John Hammond taking all the credit for what you did. This is all you. You made these dinosaurs. You brought this all to life. And the little light bulb over his head clicked. If this was a, you know, 1970s Looney Tunes cartoon, um, he's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. So how many followers do you have? How many people watch your videos? Like, yeah, let's go and chat. And uh, I know it's been mentioned across various podcasts and YouTube channels and other people that just discuss Wu in general about his ego, his ego, his pride in his ego about his character arc over the world films. And this was kind of a little a, a little glimpse into that where you know she's saying like, hey, come on, let's I, I want some good material. So I'm gonna stroke your ego a bit and you're gonna cave. Now we don't see you know anything that may happen after that. Did they have a short interview? I don't know. You know? Um it would be interesting to see in like some kind of short like, hey here, you know it, I know Camp Cretaceous isn't into the viral marketing thing, but they could have did that, like have Brooklyn have a YouTube channel where her little clips and stuff ended up getting uploaded. I, I don't know. That could have been cool. Uh, some of the observations in the lab as things were happening, especially when Sammy was being super curious about what is that? What is that? What is that? We see a giant eyeball uh Never addressed what it is. I'd be curious to know what that was from and if it served any purpose whatsoever. If Was it just a big eyeball to look weird and gross? Or does it have some significance of something that was being worked on then or supposed to be worked on in the future? I have no idea. When she asks about what's on the screen and there's DNA sequencing going on, who mentions it's tree frog DNA? And he's about to say something else and he gets cut off. And I wonder what he was going to say. I want to know what he's going to say. Was he going to say, we used to use this, but it turned out that some of the females were turning to males and they were reproducing. Or if he ended up being able to split something or perfect something and... I don't know. I, I I wish he got to finish what he was going to say, because if you're fans going all the way back to Jurassic Park, which I'm assuming everyone listening to this is, the tree frog DNA was such a big deal uh, as to why, you know, eggs were being laid and things were changing and life finding a way. And I really, really wish that, you know, again, another one of the little shorts or whatever, where we can find out what he was going to say. Yeah, I, I've got a ton of those throughout the entire series, but, you know, whatever. And the other interesting bit related to that is the Siberian mammoth remains. And we got our first peek into, you know, potentially working on Cenozoic creatures. We saw the Smilodon on Manticore Island in Season 4. There was mention of a Siberian Jurassic Park. So who knows? 
I'm curious as to what they were doing with the mammoth, probably just trying to bring it back. If they were using any bits of that with something else, I don't know. In some of the games, like Jurassic World the game and Jurassic World Live and stuff, there are, you know, a lot of other mammals and whatnot. And you could hybrid them and everything else. I don't think they were going that route. But it's interesting to see that in the world, in the timeline where the Jurassic World movie is happening, there are mammoth remains right there on the island that they're probably advancing and moving on to something else. So that was really cool. Then we move on to the bumpy hatching scene, which is the start of the turning point of Ben, which is awesome. But it's also another little peek into Wu's ego. You know, he mentions that they, they incubate for 13 weeks and guaranteed perfection or no imperfections, however he said it. Yet Bumpy was hatching at 10 and she had asymmetrical head bumps. And he was just appalled that something like that could have happened. And it would be an interesting story to see why did it happen? That one in particular. And did it ever happen before? If it did, what did they do? Did they just like terminate the asset? Um, with this particular one because six kids and a couple of camp counselors saw it did he have to be like uh, well we're just gonna have to put it back in the wild now I don't know uh, it, it, it's interesting and you know Bumpy imprinting on Ben but also Ben imprinting on Bumpy basically he was so grossed out on the ride over there he's spreading hand sanitizer all over his body and when the egg's hatching he's like disgusted and then he just holds her and it's just the world changed for him and that was the start of his character transformation and we will go a lot into ben uh, in the future and such a great story and the start of a beautiful you know friendship and relationship and later on in that scene when ben's leaving bumpy's having a fit she's crying she she just saw this person but she has that connection already um it was it was very cute and, you know, um, upsetting too. You know, I, both of them were probably very sad, especially since Ben named her already. Yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. Um, continuing on in the lab, when Brooklyn sneaks off to try to do something, she bumps into Sammy. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm the only one. I immediately thought, okay, she's up to no good too. I didn't buy, even the first time watching, that she was looking for the bathroom and got lost. She seemed really suspicious. But as a kid, you probably don't realize that uh, for kids watching the show. But Brooklyn then gets into Wu's office and lots of cool little things going on. I definitely would love to explore more in there. She mentions the E750 clinical trial results. It's a folder on the desktop of the computer. And it's funny, like in Camp Cretaceous, almost everything that's in print is just some characters, a language we don't understand. It might be a real language that, you know, I just don't know what it is. Um, but the things that are important to us, you can read out. So I had E750 clinical trial results. And I don't know if that's the folder she goes into later or not, but it'd be interesting to see everything that's in there. You know, it, it probably is, but I don't know. But it, it's cool that in episode two of season one, we had the first hint at E750. So, yeah, they were planning this all along, and, and it's really cool. A lot of people may not have remembered that. You have to go back and, and watch and pay attention. 
and it was it was cool. Something interesting, something else interesting that I saw on the computer. There was a skeleton of a Spinosaurus on there. Um, that was awesome. I don't know what that was about. Uh, does it have anything to do with trying to make the Spinosaurus again? Does it have anything to do with the Spinosaurus that's on Manticore Island? I don't know. Questions that we'll probably never get the answer to. Unless we get the Woo files. Hint, hint. Uh, not really a hint. Something I just want to see. Yeah. And the last little bit from that office is we see two USB drives in there. Brooklyn picks one up when she gets caught by Wu when she's trying to get into the classified folder. We never see her put it down or drop it. Um, I'm just curious what happened to it. Off screen where we don't see anything? Did he find it and take it back from her? Did she lose it on the way? Um... In our heads, we can pretend she has this the whole time. Did she just forget about it? Did it get destroyed when the Indominus, you know, destroys camp? I don't know. I just found it really interesting. There were two USB drives there. She picks one up and we never see her put it back down or lose it. So I don't know. She also sees the photo of the Indominus Rex there, which we all knew about the Indominus Rex beforehand. But that's the first hint of it in you know, what's going on in this timeline, especially with the kids. And then it, it actually helps um, two episodes down the road when they run into it. And Brooklyn's like, you know, she knew what it was. And then Sammy said, Indominus Rex. And Brooklyn was just shocked that she also knew what it was. But, you know, it's it, it, it was cool to see that there. Me personally liked all of the other stuff that was in there. And I, I wish we got to see more. You know, I, I've been saying that for a while. Not not just the stuff from season three, which I think that is just a treasure trove of fun little information we can have in lore. Um, but the same stuff from season one, which it, it, it probably overlaps. It might be the same. But if not, that's so cool. We can we can see and, you know, get into some more things. Uh, shortly after that, we find out that Kenji lied to Darius. Um you know, Darius got so, so mad. And understandable, you know, like I mentioned, he he only took the fall because he didn't want Kenji to have an issue with his dad. He didn't want any kind of falling out between them. He didn't want them to strain that relationship. He wanted Kenji to have a dad and a relationship with his dad. And because he got lied to, especially about his dad, that just really ticked Darius off and, and understandable, especially he's a younger kid, um, <laughs> you know, based on Kenji calling him junior all the time, but he's, he's got a lot of emotions and especially when it comes to the dad stuff, you know, it's, it, he felt I don't know if he felt disrespected. I can't speak for how he felt. This is just me kind of interpreting what I'm seeing and how it's playing out. But it's interesting to see Darius and Kenji's back and forth, even as far back as the beginning of season one, because that continues on throughout the entire series. Yeah, It really, really ramps up later in season three. And then season four, they, they come back and they make amends. And Darius is super happy that Kenji's with Brooklyn and, Stuff like that. 
but re-watching things from the beginning, knowing everything that happens over the next three seasons, three, almost four complete seasons from this point, it's interesting to see how the characters' relationships changed, but also, in a way, they keep the same dynamic, like, with Darius and Kenji, having the, we're friends, we got each other's back, we're mad at each other, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And... It's kid stuff, but I think the writers do a great job of the way they're handling it. That they're handling kid situations in adult-type ways, not making the kids seem like adults, but in ways that adults understand. Uh, adults can even relate to this in some way. And I obviously can't speak for all adults, but I have talked to a number of adults from their 20s up until my age, and... A lot of you relate to a lot in this show and the show has actually done a lot of things for some of you and put some things in perspective and make you look at things in a different way. And I think it's incredible that this, you know, kids show can do that. So the overall relationship between those two gets established really early in the first couple of episodes of season one. And then, you know, it grows and develops, but sometimes reverts all the way back to you know what we saw and I thought that was really cool uh, what's going on in the other side you know continuing on with Darius and Kenji you know when he finds out he lied it's while they're trudging through the jungle and it's because Kenji's trying to take Darius to go see something cool he said hey they got this dinosaur. They weren't letting anybody show anymore. This thing was just too mean. So after the lying, Darius just doesn't believe him anymore. He's like, is there even a Carnotaurus? Are you taking me? Do you know where you're going? And Kenji's like, hey, I don't lie. Well, except for sometimes, except for earlier, except, you know, all the times that I did. Again, not the exact words, but it's similar to what he was kind of saying. But he wasn't lying about that. And he took him and then... The kids are on the wrong side of the fence, which I realized it when I saw the shape of the fence. That's when Darius realized it that, you know, hey, um, yeah, it's not supposed to look like that. Little kids, they're probably not going to notice that. So it's it, it was a pretty cool moment and kind of tense for little kids. And then here comes Toro. And when I talked about the dinosaurs of season one, I had mentioned I love including Toro because having a Carnotaurus as one of the main featured dinosaurs in the season was great because it got zero screen time in Jurassic World. And the only two times it was really on screen in Fallen Kingdom were to get taken down by Rexy and then to, you know, pop out at the end of Fallen Kingdom after everything escaped Lockwood. And that, that was it. So it was great seeing it get a lot of screen time. Even from the beginning, we see Toro falling. And Darius actually mentions like, hey, it's fast, but, you know, it can't turn. And there's some scientific evidence of that. So it was really cool that they kept that in there. They have it in. It adds kind of a comedic value to the casual watcher and to the kids but it's a real thing so it's it's also an easy way to get these kids to escape every time Toro's trying to chase them she'd be like hey just make a quick left turn hey it's gonna fall over and she falls a lot 
that's funny but you know it, it, it was really cool uh what i found interesting was this particular scene is the second time that darius himself is in danger there have been two moments of kid dinosaur danger so far and both were pretty much just Darius in the raptor paddock you know Kenji was also already you know back and he was trying to figure out things and they were closing in on Darius and then it was kind of blue and Darius after the other ones left and in this case Kenji already found that little escape hatch or whatever it was maybe it was you know for them to shove some kind of food in or whatever and he got out but it closed on the outside so Darius couldn't get out so here's just Darius and Toro once again and you know Darius immediately thinks Kenji bailed on him because he looks and Kenji's not there but Kenji was getting something to try to pry that open and save him uh, as much of a jerk Kenji was at times those first two episodes there's no way that he was going to let some other kid get eaten <laughs> by a Carnotaurus especially since he's the one that led him there and he would take the blame that may have had more to do with it I don't know but seeing Darius in danger for the second time in the same episode, you would think his attitude towards dinosaurs would change really fast. But no, you know, he's, he's still loving dinosaurs, still wanted to study and learn everything about them, still the big dino nerd. And, you know, it, it says a lot about him. And I think part of it would have been, hey, they're just, you know, doing what they do. I just happened to come in contact with a couple of dangerous carnivores at first without anything else. But they do manage to get out and they get back to their poop duties in just enough time for everybody else to show up. And, you know, who knows? They were lucky they got back there in the time they did because they all left the lab early because they got kicked out because of Brooklyn. So everybody is back. It's almost like nothing ever happened. Uh, we see when Darius finally does get out and Toro slams into it. We do see Toro get her, you know, famous scratch, which is really cool just because we get to see it on all of the toys after that and, and whatnot. It's just kind of this little signature thing to kind of differentiate her from any other Carnotaurus we may see. And then as the episode is coming to a close, we see a drone fly down and... You know, now we know it's Manticore. We didn't really know anything about it at first. And we see someone stick a USB drive into it. We know that was Sammy. And going back to earlier discussion about USB drives, what was on it? Um, I have no idea what kind of research she took. And that also makes me question were there three usb drives sitting on that desk because Wu goes back and there's only one I, he's going to be panicking or i have no idea but we saw two we saw brooklyn pick up one and never put it back down and then we find out later sammy is putting one in the drone so i don't know there are a whole lot of usb drives out there in season one we see three of them that we know of and uh, one plays a big part at the end of season three. So it's interesting. I would, I want to see what's on that one too. And maybe season five of Camp Cretaceous, Camp Cretaceous will cover that. If they give us 
some kind of mini backstory about what Manticore is doing. I almost called them biasing. Excuse me. What Manticore is doing, what they've been doing, uh, what they're doing with the information, how they're getting the things they're getting. It's... I don't know. Now, after seeing season four, I want to know what was on that drive. Was it Indominus Rex files? Was it the E750 files? Was it just general stuff? Like, we know it wasn't her personal drive. It had the Jurassic World logo on it. So it was something from there. Did it already have data? And she just picked something up and gave it to them, hoping it had something good. For all we know, it was the catering menu for... You know, the the Jurassic World Christmas party. Who knows? Or was it a blank drive sitting there on the desk or in a drawer or somewhere, and she copied a bunch of files off of the desktop or in some folders, and they were just ones that weren't locked? Or who knows? Maybe they were all locked, and Manticore gets it, and they're trying to open it, and it's like, ah, it's encrypted, and uh, let's call Lex. She knows how to <laughs> break into things. Um, interesting. I have so many questions about USB drives. I want I, I want to know all about USB drives. And the computers. And hopefully that's something we can get into. And hopefully it's something we learn. And I don't know. And the very, very, very end of the season, right before the credits. Not season. Episode. My brain is not completely functioning today, guys. I am so sorry. The very end of the episode, right before the end credits, we see this beautiful shot of the island. And I actually paused it when I was watching it uh, yesterday just to like look at it. Like, this is so cool. And maybe the last time you see it like that, because shortly thereafter, the island is in complete chaos. And then everybody leaves and the kids are stuck there. And then everything starts getting overgrown and the dinosaurs start running wild. And then we know a couple of years later, the volcano erupts and who knows what the island looks like now. So it was really cool. I, I thought it was a great shot and I, I enjoy it. And I, I might try to take that little snippet and use it for some kind of little project or something. It's, it was really cool. I really liked it. Some of the music was, was really nice in this episode. The score in season one, while very Jurassic and it fit and it was good, it, it does not touch season three, but I don't know if anything ever will. But I, I think like all the seasons, they did a really great job of the music underneath what's going on that it, it plays to the intensity and what's going on, but it's not distracting at all. And kids aren't going to pay attention probably. So that doesn't really matter, but it's for the adult fans. I think it's really nice that they give us quality Jurassic music um, behind everything that's going on. I, I think that's fantastic. And I, I'm glad they didn't skip something like that. Really easy to ignore or just overlook in an animated show, especially when you consider what the budget might be, that they have animation, they have the voice actors. Uh, one of the easiest things to can if you need to save money is well we don't need this fancy score we don't need this let's just reuse little bits of things we already have which they do at times but i thought it was awesome it was it, it's great that they do that throughout the entirety of the show and it, it's cool just jumping ahead you know season four everything from the you know marketing 
forward gave you that different tone immediately instead of you know the soft Jurassic music it just gets into that kind of intense almost villainous in you know high octane movie trailer type sound um which is cool because four obviously as we know is completely different than everything else other than having dinosaurs so it, it was cool to see the change uh i think everyone involved with making this show does a really great job uh the writing the directing the the music and yeah people are gonna have problems with different things uh, some you know bombastic and kitty things in season two and then season four as a whole some people have issues with some people question some of the things like the brad x but personal opinion i think everyone involved with making this show is making it as a fan because there's so much fan love that goes into a lot of little things about the show that the last two movies haven't really been able to get across. And some of that can be time. Some of it can be writing. Some of it can be, it just has no place in the story of the film. And Camp Cretaceous is able to kind of bring that all in, whether it's all of the little nods all throughout, or if it's tying loose ends together, filling in some gaps, expanding on things that happened in the film or something as simple as animals acting like animals. You know, we didn't have a chance to see that in the films, but even when they went back to the island in Fallen Kingdom to rescue the animals, a, a lot of what we saw wasn't necessarily animals acting like animals and yeah it's mostly because we didn't spend a lot of time there we have you know monster baryonyx coming through a lava tube <coughs> excuse me again it's not a lava tube but you know it's a tunnel with lava dripping down and it, assuming that is chaos it's got the same colors we didn't see her acting like that when she was on the island you know so in the film, they made her act, you know, monstery. And the rest of them, they were all just running for their lives because, hey, this volcano's erupting and we just need to get the heck out of here. And, you know, I, I just love the show showing animals being animals. And we get to see more of that throughout the entirety of the series. And, you know, it's awesome. And I, I don't want to deviate too much from, you know, what this topic was. I, I broke down, you know, the entire episode for you. The episode is 24 minutes, probably about 22 if you don't count the uh, the credits. And I've been talking about it for almost 40. So, you know, I've doubled the time of the episode, basically doing my little breakdown of what I saw and things I liked in season one, episode two, titled Secrets. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments on this particular episode, definitely leave them down below. I promise I'm not going to disappear and have comments disappear again. And uh, on that note, I, I do apologize for vanishing a couple weeks ago. Um, it wasn't right, and it's not going to happen again, I promise. If I do need to take a little social media break, I'll just take one. I'm not going to be deactivating accounts or turning anything off. 
One of the benefits of doing that, though, was the LEGO giveaway contest got extended by another week. Thank you to everyone that left a comment on there. I'm going to get to that in one of the soon upcoming episodes. And congratulations to Jurassic Souls. He was the winner. And, you know, I'm, I I don't want to sound, (laughs) you know, biased or anything like that because every one of you are great and amazing, but Jurassic Souls is, you know, such a ray of light and the voice of positivity in the Jurassic community. So a nicer person couldn't have won. Every one of you, if you won, you know, you're all nice people as well. But congratulations to Jurassic Souls. Not in the mail yet, but it's going to get out really soon. I promise. Uh, We will be having some more contests in the future. And I don't want to exclude you international fans because there are a number of you. I might even have more international subscribers than I do U.S. subscribers. But shipping's been killing me sending stuff outside the US. So uh, I need a little break from that. And I'll see what I can do for you guys. It'll it'll be something fun and it'll be worth it. So that just about wraps it up. I don't have any new Camp Cretaceous news, I don't think, <laughs> to share with anyone. No further Dominion tie-ins or potential tie-ins that I could think of off the top of my head. We're getting really close to probably a second trailer. So it'll be interesting. Viral marketing might be picking up as well. Uh, Chaos Theorem has been tweeting, which means probably in the next couple of days, we're going to get something. There have been a few magazine articles and some interviews come out of late. Uh, Nothing really connecting to Camp Cretaceous so far that we know of. But... I will definitely keep you all in the loop if something like that happens. Um, Yeah, that about wraps it up. I hope I can get another episode next week. Really don't want to go three weeks in between episodes again. I'm so sorry, guys. I I wanted to try to stay on some kind of consistent pattern. But if you are new, thank you for watching or listening and welcome. And for everyone else returning, thank you so much for coming back. If you want to learn more and follow me or the podcast, the brand Twitter handle is at Media Cretaceous. And me personally, at Cretaceous underscore Dave. Just a warning, you're going to see a whole lot of stuff and not Camp Cretaceous all the time. But uh, a lot of Jurassic, a lot of dinosaurs and a lot of weird stuff. And you'll also see a bunch of pictures of my kid. Kid. Sorry. Singular. Kid. Just one. Um, so like I said, that wraps it up. Thank you so much, everyone for listening or watching and everybody stay safe, stay Jurassic and have yourselves a fantastic rest of the week. So long.